looking at part four, prayers of the apostles. And part four is our daily bread. And so let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I want to thank you for each one here today. Again, thank you, Father, for the overcast weather, the cooler weather, the, the little bit of rain, the, the great smell in the air, and, and all of that. I just praise you and thank you for being our sovereign Lord and God and creator. Bless this message. Carry it to our hearts. Help us to receive each one of us the specific things you have us to receive either from the message or simply from you talking to us. And may we, re may we rejoice in you as we recognize your presence in our midst as we're together in your name. We ask it in your name. Amen. So we've been looking at what Jesus taught the disciples about, about praying and how the disciples incorporated those teachings in their prayer. So we're going to go back to Matthew 6:11. Give us this day our daily bread. What does that mean to you? You might very simply say bread means food, and so we pray for food. But really it means any need that we have, that we take it to the Lord. Jesus taught that it's okay to pray for our daily needs. Do we uh, categorize our needs? Do we say, well, these needs are of higher importance, therefore, when they reach this level of categorization, those things go to God in prayer. But how about all the, the needs that you still have that might be little, but they're, they're, they're gnawing on your brain. They're just there. They're annoying. They're little things, not major things, just little things. Do you take those little things to God in prayer as well? In other words, from the littlest gnawing issue to the greatest, heaviest issue, we should know that God wants us to take any and all of them to him. That should be part of our lifestyle, taking these concerns. You know, sure, pray this. Lord, help me find my keys. No. You know what I'm saying? We lose keys, we lose things, but is it wrong to simply ask God to help you find them? Of course not. And it's just like anything else. We have that concern, whether small or great, God wants us to take it to him because, just like I said to the kids, whether it's small or great, when God takes care of that burden or that need, our faith grows in him. We go, man, our father loves us so much that he cares about this little thing that really shouldn't have any significance. He's God of God, King of King, Lord of Lords, sits on his throne, sovereign creator, and he cares about me enough to even care about that little thing. How great is my God? And so we can trust God with all of it, with all of it. Some will say that praying for our needs is selfish, and we should focus on God things. That's just people saying, well, that's praying is spiritual, so therefore spiritual needs are what we pray for. Certainly we pray for spiritual needs, but we should be praying again for everything. But right here what Jesus, Jesus taught us in Matthew 6, 11, we should also pray for the needs of others. Okay? We need, in Matthew, in the Lord's Prayer, as we read that passage, we know that that we, God wants us to pray for other people as well. Jesus didn't say, give me my daily needs. He said, give us our daily needs. You were saying, where was, where was that? He said, <laughs> pray for others. Give us our daily needs. So intercessor, intercessory prayer, interceding for others, lifting them up as God puts them on your heart to pray for them, Pray for them. You might know specific things in people's lives, as you know, and, but pray about them for them. Pray that God will intercede and take the burden off of them. But pray that they'll be willing to give, them the, give God the burden. Be that intercessory 
prayer partner, if you will, for that person. God wants us to do that. Sometimes God will put a person on our heart with no specific reason in mind. You know that and I know that. But when God stirs our heart about a person out of the blue, pay attention to that and pray for them. Because that means something's going on that we're not aware of. It doesn't matter that we know what it is or not. It matters that God's put them on our heart and therefore we should be praying for them. Right? Amen? Amen. Amen. So, and that's a privilege. That's a blessing. Because when people come to you and say, hey, I was praying for you this week, and you're going, man, if you only knew. <laughs> Thank you. If you only knew what I was going through. And that, that's a blessing, isn't it? That's an absolute blessing. Some will also try to say that this daily bread is merely a prayer, again, for spiritual needs. They want to say that Jesus is only concerned about the spiritual. That is an age-old uh, problem of philosophers, and there's a, the physical needs, and the spiritual needs, and there's separate. I got news for all of us. God's concerned about the physical and the spiritual because we are physical and spiritual beings created in his marvelous image. But if our needs aren't met, then that distraction can interfere or or Inter can interfere, the distraction can interfere, or the lack of the need being met can interfere with us being used by God. In other words, if we've got so much stuff going on in the physical world around us and we're not praying about it, and it's in front of us, it can interfere with how God is leading us to follow him or to serve him. So we need to take care of the physical so we can be more active in the spiritual. We need to be in line with God in our walk, physically and spiritually. God's a loving God and he cares about us. We know that. So why wouldn't he want to meet our physical needs? I told this story before. When I was in uh, college, uh, you know, uh, I, would, I was praying for that stereo. Do you remember that story? And I said, Lord, I'd really like a stereo today for my birthday. Now, some people would look at that and say, you know, that's a pretty selfish prayer. Why? He's my father. <laughs> right? He's my father. I'm his child. I can go to my father and ask him. I asked for the Corvette. He said no. <laughs> okay? I asked for a stereo. He said yes. And so I went to go to my best friend's house that day and the, had three stereos in his room. He didn't know it was my birthday, but then when he found out it was my birthday, he says, come over to my room and let's look in my room. He said, you pick which stereo that you want of the three. There it was. There it was. I prayed God. I was riding a bicycle. It didn't have a car. And I said, God, the last car I had had a four-cylinder engine, no AC, no radio, it was dependable, but it's not, I don't have that. I'm riding a bicycle, but this time I like something a little sporty. want an eight track in there. I want, for those of you who don't know, an eight track, it's kind of like an old CD on tape. Anyway, so, so then, so I want an eight track and I want something that's got some power to it. Sporty, powerful, eight track, yeah. Didn't have any money. God gave me a car on base. Guy had to, he was being shipped out that night. No one bid on the sale of his car. It was a, a Plymouth Satellite Sebring Plus uh, 218 engine, hand-cranked sunroof, 
and just needed tires. They said, I'll sell it to you for 600 bucks. Got it. Praise God. Got new tires on that. Bought me an eight track and stuck it in there. <laughs> I had two eight tracks coming to California, Don Francisco and Dallas Holmes. That was it. Cranked the roof back, belted out, sung all the way across country. The point is, is that I said, Father, I need a car. But you know what? There's nothing wrong with saying, God, I sure would like this too. If he wants to give it, let him. Now, God's not our genie. He's our father. I got a nice car. It wasn't the vet. Because he probably knew I'd kill myself in the vet. So the point is, is that the desires that we have, sometimes we can ache for those. I really need a car, but I can't afford one. Say, so God, I need you to take care of this for me. That's the burden that I gave to him. And in that, God blessed it. And in that, I've shared that story a number of times over my, my life. God does wondrous things. God does care. God is there. God wants to bless, but he wants us to trust in him. He wants us to trust in him. And so... Um, we should pray for the needs of others. We should pray for, you know, obviously take our needs and our concerns um, to God as well. Uh, and the Greek, the physical daily bread here um, in, in this line is Jesus' prayer harkens back to the Israelites in the wilderness. They were newly freed from Egypt and needed food to survive on their journey. In other words, when, the t when this prayer was being taught, they could relate, give us our daily bread, and it stemmed back to when God provided for them. Let's look at that in Exodus 16, 1 through 5. And they journeyed from Elam, and all the congregation of the children of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai. On the 15th day of the second month after they departed from the land of Egypt, then the whole congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness, and the children of Israel said to them, Oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the pots of meat, and when we ate bread to the full, for you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. That's just a side note. That Just remember, the grass is not always greener on the other side. It was greener, but there's always issues, Right? In other words, they got out of Egypt. They prayed and cried to God. God heard the prayer, delivered them out of Egypt. Then they complained they didn't have a pot of stew. Right? But God delivered them. God provided for them. There's always issues on the other side of the fence. You know, grass is not always greener on the other side. There's always patches in the grass. Okay? So they're complaining. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain quota every day, that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. And it shall be on the sixth day that they shall prepare what they bring in, and it shall be twice as much as they gather daily. Through daily provision of a basic need like bread, God, God taught the Israelites and us to daily depend on God to meet our needs. So when we have needs and their burdens, try to remember to step back and say, thank you, Father, for the need. Thank you for this burden. It's like it's weird in our human nature to say, thank you for the burden because burdens are not comfortable, right? But we can thank him for it because God is trying to teach us to rely on him and to depend on him. And as we do, like the kids said, what happened? Our faith gets bigger. 
And that's what God wants. Our faith in him, our trust in him, our reliance on him for all these things get bigger. Jesus reminded his disciples of this concept in his, in his model prayer. Our daily needs can be food for the day, a roof over our heads, help on the job or at school, wisdom for a situation that we're facing, or healing for, for an illness. You know the gamut of all the needs that we have. We are a very needy people, but I think it's because God wants us, us to be dependent upon him. Dependency on God is not a weakness. Our culture teaches independence is strength. But independence from God is stupid. Solomon said, if I gain the whole world without God, it's all in vanity. It's empty. So we need to remember that in our, our dependence and our need for things, being on, dependent upon our Heavenly Father who loves us, is a wise and smart move in, our, in taking care of our needs. Amen? Amen. That side got it. Amen? All right, there we go. A little balance here. <laughs> okay, picking on you guys. All right. So, whatever the needs or things happen to us or others that we know throughout the day, the things that happen to them, whether our needs or the things that are happening in other people's lives, things that are brought to our mind, a person brought to our mind, a situation that we're facing, a situation they're facing, these are triggers for us to call out to God. Those are blessings. Those are blessing triggers. <laughs> it's an opportunity to rely on God and to increase our faith. So call out to God, pray to God to give us our daily bread. When I go to God in prayer and I'm praying, I come to this particular part because I use the structure of the outline of the Lord's Prayer quite often in my prayer time. And when I come to give us this day our daily bread, I think of my needs, but I need to be thinking about the needs of others. Not that I don't, but I need to make sure that I am stepping up for you and those in my life. As God points those things out to me, those are triggers for me to pray for you as the same should be for you toward others. So the Apostle Peter taught... Um, uh, this year. And what did the, what the apostle what did the apostle Peter teach the persecuted Christians living in Asia Minor? Um, uh, looking at the daily bread as a as a trigger point in our prayer for our needs and the needs of others, the apostle Paul, right? He or apostle Peter had taught through a prayer. Um, the Christians in Asia Minor, a very important thing. So we read this verse a few weeks ago in part two of our series. 1 Peter 5, verse 6 and 7. Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Did you get that humble part? Remember I said we're, we take pride in being independent? But when we are acknowledging to God, I need your help. That's a humble status. And we yield to the hand of God. We simply say, God, this is the need. I'm looking to you to take care of that need. Now, the physical things, like I said, stereo, a car, all those things. I can talk to my father about all those things that I would like. And some of them, a car was definitely a need at the time. 
But, but relying on God for those things that we cannot take care of, whether they're physical or spiritual, is really just us coming to God with a humble heart um, and just saying, God, here it is. I need your help. And then we are yielding to the authority and sovereignty of God's will. His hand over us. His right hand means authority and power and might. So God's right hand of authority, power, and might over our lives as his children. Very simply put, our kids trust us. We need to trust him, right? Because he's our father. But, our, but what we trust our parents with growing up didn't mean that we got always what we wanted, right? Obviously, we know that. And the same is related. It's a wonderful mirrored picture of our relationship with God. Right? How God set up the family and dependence on parents and growing up and then relying on, on God, our Heavenly Father. Just praise, praise, and praise the Lord for that. So we need to humble ourselves before God. And when we do that, we're casting our care upon Him, for He cares for you. Don't ever think that the thing you're burdened about, no matter how small or, or how insignificant you think it is, isn't something God doesn't care about because He knows you're caring about it. And he's your father. And if he sees you getting burdened about it or whatever, he doesn't want us weighted down with burden. He wants us walking in the, the freeness of, of life in Christ and the fullness of the joy of him, knowing that he's our father watching over us, taking care of us and meeting our needs and helping us to be the people that he's called us to be. The word, the word cast, cast all your cares upon God. Cast means to throw upon or place upon. There are times when um, in our prayer time when we go to God with our issues and concerns that we, um, we lay it before his feet. We, that, that picture in our mind, right? We're giving it to him. There are other times where we're like, I can't handle it at all. Take it. I'm done with it. Do it. For, forget it. I give it over to you. Do you understand? That's casting. <laughs> I'm laying this down before you humbly, and other times, ah, take it. God still wants to do that. He doesn't mind if we cast our cares upon him or lay them down before him. In other words, whatever need or burden we have is to be completely given over to God. We are no longer holding on to it. Now, let me just say, in addition to that, that when we're in prayer and we're giving these things to God because we're trusting him with it, seek out the Holy Spirit's confirmation in your heart. In other words, know in your spirit that you have given it to God and God has acknowledged that. Now, we know that God is saying to us, I hear you, Terry. I hear you. Put your name there. I know what you're saying. Sometimes you're trying to explain something. The more I explain, the deeper it gets, the more messed up the explanation becomes. And in the middle of me trying to explain it to God, God says, I hear you. He knows what I'm trying to say. But when I heard him say to me, I hear you, he's saying, I got it. So what does that do? That helps me to look and say, I know God told me that, and therefore I can rest in him knowing that he's going to take care of it. So in your prayer time, when you have burdens, don't just, just winsfully, winf, yeah, that's the word, winsfully, can't say it, but you got, can someone say it for me? 
very good. Throw it to God and be flippant about it. That's what I'm trying to get. But be serious about it and trust him with it and know in your spirit that God is saying, I'm going to take care of this. Then you can always go back to that and have that assurance. So with that in mind, I want us to go back to the Apostle Paul and what he taught and prayed for while he was in the Roman jail. Do you think he had burdens and, and problems in jail? No carpeting, no air conditioning, no running plumbing. Probably a hole in the floor somewhere over there for personal necessities. Uh, shackled um, and, and just totally grossed out place. Okay? Not a good place. Philippians 4, 10 through 13. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last for your care for me has flourished again. <laughs> I'm in prison. And he's rejoicing greatly. He's shackled. Praise God. Praise God. You know, if it was during that time he was shackled, because Paul and Silas did praise God when they were shackled after being beaten, and they praised God for the suffering they were going through. So he, he, he's in there, he says, but I rejoice in prison, adding that, in the Lord greatly, that now at last your care for me has flourished again. Now he can look around, and I'm in prison, but your care for me has flourished again. God meeting your needs. What a perspective. Though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. Now Paul's talking about the Philippian church. Paul's in prison. He rejoiced in the, in the Lord greatly because his needs were being met in, in great ways. But the Philippian church was a vessel in which God was using to meet those needs. Verse 12. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Being in prison, rejoicing in God. I can... I, look... I'm not mocking this at all. <coughs> Certainly not. Imagine being in shackles. You think maybe your ankle might itch a little bit? You think you might have a little cramp or a pain or you can't move? So I can imagine the, the apostle simply praying, Father, you take care of that itch for me. It's driving me nuts. Well, that pain, I can't stretch to get rid of it. Will you please take care of that? Do you understand what I'm saying? Those little things that whatever it is that's weighing down on us, we can talk to our Father about and say, Father, please take care of this, because I can't. And so Paul had, excuse me, Peter had learned to both be, so we're talking about Peter, right? Paul. Paul had learned to be content in all things. Why? Because he relied on his Father in heaven. He knew his father's will was perfect. His father's will is not always pretty, but it's always perfect. It's always for a reason. God's always working good. We know that. And verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can be content because God enables me to be content in this circumstance. And the only reason he's content is because he's taken all the burden that the circumstance offers and gave it or cast it to his father on heaven. 
And casting meant that he trusted God with it and trusted God in it. And he gave it to God completely. And therefore, he learned to be content. Right? He didn't sit there whining about what he didn't have. He thanked God for what he did have. And what he didn't have that he needed, he said, God, I need your help here. And that's part of that dependency on God that's not an independent um, uh, statement of I can do it myself. It's a statement of saying I have a relationship with my Father in heaven and I can rely on him and he, he will take care of me. And he loves me and he knows me and he knows what's going on. Therefore, I rejoice greatly because I have a Father that I can rely on and I can see what he does. Right? The Apostle Paul no doubt had many daily needs uh, while he was in that Roman prison. Uh, the Philippians sent physical aid to him to help meet his needs in jail. And through his walk with the Lord in trials, the Apostle Paul learned and wanted the Philippians and us to learn that whatever state we are in in life, we need to be content. Our natural tendency as human beings is wanting more. Who in here says I've got enough money? Who in here can, would agree I could use some more money? Who in here can say, oh, I'd like a little this and I'd like that and it would be nice to get that too? When does that stop? It doesn't unless we give ourselves over to God. When we learn to be content in God, that stops. And we start praising God for what we do have. So how can we be content even in the midst of trials and great needs? Because we know that God will meet our needs and strengthen us. God will meet our needs and strengthen us. Whatever the circumstance, wherever we're at, God will meet those needs. I feel apologetic saying this, but I'm going to say it anyways, because my mind just keeps going back to that life example. First, California had five food groups that I ate. That's all I could afford. Green beans, Italian dressing, tea bags for sun tea, eggs, rice, oh, six things, and pinto beans. That's all my diet. That's all my groceries could afford. And I went down to 170, I don't know, five pounds. 175 pounds is uh, 70 pounds less than what I am now, roughly. And I remember salivating and praising God for the can of green beans that was waiting for me at home. <laughs> you see, the circumstance was real and there, but God provided what I needed. And that's where we have to learn to be content because God will strengthen us. In Paul's case, God was meeting his physical needs through the generosity of the Philippian and the Philippian church. In this passage, he also mentions the church of Thessalonica that helped him because of the Philippians helping to meet Paul's needs. In other words, Paul's talking to the Thessalonian church but reminds them about the Philippians and how they helped him. But look at the status of the Philippian church. You see where we're shifting? Cast your cares and needs on him to what? The needs of what? Others. So you see the transition here? Philippians 4, 19 and 20. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Is there anything that God cannot provide for us for? 
That's a question. No. no, absolutely not. Why? Because my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory. <laughs> it's endless. God can give whatever he wants to give. There's no constraint. Now, why would Paul pray this for them? Look at 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 5. Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. Now, Paul's talking to the Corinthian church, telling them, he's telling them, look, look what the Philippians did. He's telling the churches in Macedonia, look what the Philippians did. They were a poor church. They had great need. They had great affliction in their own lives, right? They, have, uh, they were deep in poverty, right? In verse 2, and that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of the liberality. They gave sacrificiously, sacrificiously right? Even though they didn't have much to give. And they gave liberally. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing, imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. The Philippians had sacrificially given out their poverty to help Paul and needed help themselves. So God even provided for them to be able to provide for others in their deficiency. But God provided in his riches. You see, the, you see that? The impossibility, the, the demand was great, the price was high, the sacrifice was was tremendous, but God provided for them to be able to give to meet the need. And that's what God wants. He wants us to be sacrificial, uh, to give uh, sacrificiously in our offerings to God. That means above and beyond what we can give. We can, we, what we can give is good to God's glory, our tithes and our offerings, but when God calls us to give beyond what we have, that's where it really gets tough. But when God calls us to give, and we're faithful to what God calls us to give, then, then we see the power of God provide. Going back to the car, my four-door sedan, my Nova, four-door, Nova, Chevy Nova, Nova sedan. My roommate had a wife and two kids, was in the military. He was staying with me. His wife was in New England and the kids up there. His car died. He needed to get back and forth to his family. Guess where my Nova went? It went there. God said, give it to him. Why? Because I could walk or ride my bike to work. <laughs> but when the time came, God, I'd really like my own car. This is what I'd like. Then he gave it. God didn't have to do that because I gave up a car. My point is, is that out of what I didn't have, in other words, I needed that car in my mind because it would make life easier. But God said, no, give it up. Give it anyways. And trust me. And that's what's being pictured here. 
And as the, God, the Holy Spirit, lays on their hearts, laid it on the heart of these Philippian Christians and, and the churches in Macedonia to give where the needs are, even if you have to give sacrificially. So what a loving, compassionate, what loving, compassionate, and giving hearts the Philippians had, right? And the Apostle Paul is praying for, the, for their basic needs, not extravagant, extra blessings of riches. God prayed for God to give them to meet their needs according to his riches and glory. Because he knew that what they provided him was out of sacrifice, and Paul prayed in turn for them that God would bless them and encourage them. He prayed that out of God's riches, he would supply their needs. The Philippians had surrendered their finances to God. They didn't do it hoping to receive anything back. And boy, that is so key. I never once thought that when I gave that car up that God's going to give me a better one. That wasn't the issue. It was just doing what God told me to do. They instead just trusted God. I trusted God. This is a misteaching that we see in today's culture amongst religious organizations. Hey, if you give a hundred bucks, God will bless it a hundred times, and you'll get a thousand dollars back. This is this is heresy. It's wrong teaching. It's not of God. Because God wants us to give with a free heart, generously, sacrificially, with a loving heart, with an obedient heart, with a faithful heart, with a trusting heart, not expecting anything in return. That's where it truly is a step of faith and God will bless that in our spiritual growth alone seeing God meet the needs right true giving is not expecting something in return on the flip side of asking God to meet our need for physical and daily bread is our need for spiritual daily bread so when Jesus our bread of life we need Jesus our bread of life to meet our spiritual daily bread needs Right? Lord, I'm struggling today. Uh, you know what? I woke up today and I'm just spiritually feeling beat up and I don't care. And I'm just going to crawl under the covers in bed and stay there. I'm not going to focus on you. I'm not going to do anything. I'm not gonna, I don't feel like reading my Bible. I don't feel like praying. I don't feel like, feel like, feel like, feel like, but I feel pretty cruddy. We're going to have days like that, right? When we feel that way, that's when we need to say, God, help me to pray. When we feel like I'm not hungry for the word, Lord, give me a hunger for your word. That's when we need to see there's some red flags there. And we need to call upon our Father in heaven to help us. So maybe you need help showing mercy and forgiveness or giving generously to others. Maybe you need help uh, desiring to read your Bible, like I was just saying. Or maybe you need help in your prayer life. God, I just don't have the prayer life that I'd like to have. Maybe you need spiritual strength to fight temptation and sin. Whatever the need, physical or spiritual, big or small, whatever it is, give it to God. Lay it humbly before him or cast it to him in desperateness. Give it to him. Trust him. Whatever your daily need is, physical or spiritual, seek God in prayer and watch him meet your need out of his love and riches found in Christ. When we see God provide, when we see God answering on the, on the littlest of things and even the, 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 the 
the insurmountable burdens. When we see God acting on our behalf at that range, what is that telling us? My father loves me, and he is aware of everything, and he loves it when I rely on him. So cast it on him. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, um, our daily bread consists of a lot. But help us, Father, just on a, a daily basis to continually uh, be in fellowship with you, talk to you, rely on you, trust you, and know that there is nothing that you don't consider worth giving to you. That we can trust you with everything. And I thank you, Father, for the hard times. I thank you for the challenges. I thank you for the burdens. I thank you, Father, whether they're physical or spiritual needs. You allow us to have them to teach us to, draw, to rely on you and to grow in our faith. I like what Mariah said. Make it bigger regarding our faith. That's exactly what God wants. And as we grow in faith in you, may others see our faith growing. And may that growth of our faith impact and influence those around us to look to you, to know you, and to rely on you. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.